What up, guys? This is The Chase Down. I'm JP Carey, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben. What's up, guys? And today we're going to be looking at our predictions for the awards earlier in the season and how they've held up over time and maybe our new rankings for those awards. So I think we're going to hop into MVP first because I think that's the most important award. And Ben, you want to start this one off? Uh, yeah, sure. So we're going to first list who we predicted would win it. And then afterwards, we're going to talk about who's actually deserved it so far. Uh, my list had Luka in first, KD second, Jokic third, and Dame fourth. And I got two out of three. I think KD and Jokic are both in the discussion, but Luka hasn't been doing well enough and his team hasn't been doing well enough. And Dame's team is too full of injuries. He won't ever really be a consideration. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. And uh, I'll go through my list really quick for the listeners also. Um, my pick to win was Kevin Durant. My second place was Luca. Third was LeBron. And fourth was Joel. So I've been pretty on fire with these picks. I think I got three out of four right for uh, contention. But let's hop into your list first. What has surprised you most about your initial rankings and how they've played out? So my biggest surprise has been Kevin Durant. Um, I initially, when we were making our episode, I didn't have him second, but I listened to you convince me that he was going to win it. So it made me put him second over Jokic. I think I had him third or fourth. Um, but the fact that he's been basically exactly himself after coming off an Achilles injury is pretty fantastic. And also Jokic has been really good. I did expect this, but I don't know, I guess it's been more uh, concerning that Luca's just been so bad that his team's just been so bad that he's not in the conversation. His three point shooting's slightly creeping up, um, but it's still that just the team's not getting wins. Yeah, and it's I'll talk about Luca quickly too because I thought he was in second place for the award. Um, it is strange that he's not really even in contention because we expected that team to make a leap this year to maybe be like a top four, five seed in the West. And it's not looking like that's going to be realistic. Um, and now the excuse that Porzingis isn't there, isn't there anymore. Like Porzingis is playing. He might not be his fully healthy self, but still you have your second best player there. It's just kind of weird that the team can't string together wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they are missing a whole bunch of people. Like pretty much all of their significant role players are out but you'd still expect them to pick up some of those wins. Um, but talk to me about your, who was your four? Did you have LeBron in your four? So I had Embiid as my four, and that's the person I'm most shocked by. Because even though I had him in my MVP race, it was kind of just like, oh, if, he, if it clicks, right? Like we always say this about certain players that maybe don't have the highest running motor. Like we've said it about Andrew Wiggins. We've said it about Anthony Edwards even in his short career. But for Joel Embiid, he was still able to be a top 10 player in the league without even turning on his motor. So this year, it's actually running hot. Like he is making plays everywhere on the floor. He's dominating in the post. And he's kind of phased out the ridiculous shots from three because that was a part that was really hurting his game last year. He would take like five threes in a game. And even though he's an okay shooter for a big man at three, 
That's not his game. You want him down in the post because there's not a single center in the league that can guard him. So I've just been so happy with his performance this year. Yeah, he's been awesome. I, it's, it's cool to see somebody who can't shoot threes very well understand that and not shoot threes because we're seeing Giannis still continue to take them even though he doesn't make them very well. Uh, but watching Embiid from the mid-range, dude, is lethal. He killed the Celtics with mid-range shots. I really want to see him play the Nets uh, with the current center rotation they have now just to see how dominant he would be. But yeah, he's been awesome. He has been shooting the lights out, shooting 40.5% from three on the shots he does take, and that's awesome. Um, so if we're talking about who actually deserves it right now, I think Embiid is slightly in the lead. He's averaging, I'll, put a, I'll, I'll say his averages right now, 27.7 points, 11.5 rebounds, 2.7 assists, and 1.4 blocks. And shooting 55% from the field, 40% from three, 83% from the line. He's unreal. And I think one of my favorite parts about his game is actually his free throw shooting because he gets to the line only behind, I think, James Harden in the entire league, because think about how physical you have to be with a player that big. He's going to get the foul calls. And we saw against the Celtics the other night, he took like 23 free throws. He made 21 of them. Like he's super, super efficient from the line. So if you foul him, you're, you're basically counting on two points. So yeah, he's been dominating so far. Yeah. Watching him take 23 free throws against the Celtics was so frustrating, but it wasn't like they weren't deserved like he was getting fouled we didn't have anyone that could slow him down so we had to double him every chance we got and a lot of those times we fouled him um so yeah he he's really good at getting to the line too uh i liked him and marcus smart's banter about them both being floppers because it's true but like if it gets your team wins i i understand why they do it um but if we're Continuing and who deserves the MVP? Second place for me right now is Kevin Durant, and third place is Jokic. Ooh, okay. In my second place, I have LeBron and then Kevin Durant. Okay, talk to me about LeBron in second place because I would maybe put him fourth under Jokic, but I guess they are first place. But talk to me about that. So the LeBron comp, like MVP run, is starting to look more and more plausible to me. Um, after last night's performance against the Cleveland Cavaliers, he dropped 46. He went seven for 10 from three, absolutely dominated the game, scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. And those are the type types of moments an MVP needs to have to win the award. Um, Joel Embiid's been dominating all year long. Like it's, there's not been a single team that can figure him out. Um, but LeBron has moments over Joel Embiid. Like we don't think of a Joel Embiid game like, oh, that's the game he did this. Like we will think of this game throughout the season as the game that LeBron took the game over and scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. Um, And also he leads the best team in the entire league. So it's in terms of MVP, almost always it's the best player on the best team. And if he has the best team, he's clearly the best player on the Lakers. So I have him second. I guess that's all fair. Um, I His numbers haven't been eye-popping enough that I would take him. 
Um, and the fact that he's been playing at like not a hundred percent effort makes me not want to put him in the conversation, but still even not playing at a hundred percent effort, dude puts up ridiculous numbers. I am incredibly impressed by the fact that he's shooting 41% from three right now on six attempts. That's really, really good. That's like, I didn't see that coming at all from LeBron. The dude's never been a good shooter, never been like a knockdown shooter. Um, so seeing that's really crazy, but I think he falls right under Jokic for me just because his averages aren't good enough. Jokic is still averaging 12 boards, almost a triple double. He's 0.7 assists away from a triple double. And he's also, yeah. uh, I think leading the league in steals right now. Uh, Larry Nance. Oh yeah. He's got 1.9. Larry Nance is up there. Uh, Larry Nance yeah. is first, but I was looking at advanced stats too. I don't know if you're really nitpicking at that point, does your guy deserve it? If you have to go into the advanced stats, Um, but he's leading the league in PER, which is a good measure of how efficient your player is and how well he fits your offense, how good he is for your offense. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll talk about Jokic for a little bit too. I think what he's doing is historic. Um, I think he's going to be a icon in NBA history, I think people are going to remember him as just like, how do you stop this guy? And just a super unique player. I'm so glad we get to watch him in person. Uh, but this season, he took his game up another level. And I don't know about you, but after last year's playoff run, I think he kind of hit his peak, which was like, he's a top 10 player. Um, but I see some room to grow for him. Like what he's shown us this season, I think he could raise up those ranks as well. Um and the Nuggets have started to string some wins together also, which I think really helps his case. So, yeah, Jokic is definitely in the running. Those numbers are cartoonish, um, especially for a big man. He's crazy. He's so much fun to watch. Yeah, we were a little bit worried about the Nuggets there when they were out of the playoff picture to start this, like maybe eight games into the season, uh, or 10 even. Um, but they've won nine of the last 12 games. It was the the first handful of games where Jokic was really putting up like cartoonish numbers he's come down to earth a little bit which is why he's under the triple double uh, but still he's putting up ridiculous numbers and his team's starting to crawl back into the top three if they could get there I think and he capes up these numbers um, I think he would have a better argument than LeBron <clears throat> currently LeBron probably has the better argument because he's the first seed um, so the last player we've yet to talk about in our MVP rankings is Kevin Durant. What do you, what do you have to say about KD? Um, the fact that he's shooting 44.6% from three and scoring 30 points a game. I like, I love watching him play so much. The dude is such an amazing offensive player. I really, really hope he gets to stay healthy. Cause I just, I really love watching him play. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Um, he's in my top two favorite players. Um, Kawhi's my favorite player again for people listening. <laughs> um, but yeah, KD, like you said, he's so, like in previous episodes, you've said that he's one of the easiest going like offensive players you've ever seen. Like 30 just falls into his lap. And that is the best way to describe Kevin Durant. Like 30 points falls into his lap. Just like in the flow of the game, he takes over. Um, and like, like I said, I had a winning MVP, so I had full confidence coming in, in him coming into the season. 
but even what he showed me is like almost more than I even expected. Um, I, I have it written down here in my notes. At the beginning of the year, I thought his stat line would be around 27, 50, and five and five on good efficiency. And he's surpassing that. Um, the dude's an animal. I'm just so glad he's back and healthy. And I think me and you both agreed that that Nets team is going to climb the rankings pretty soon in the Eastern Conference. So yeah, his, his MVP run will uh, definitely be valid. I think the addition of James Harden actually makes his MVP run a bit harder because he's not going to have the chance to score as many points. Maybe he still will because he's a phenomenal shooter. He can get a lot of points and not a lot of shots. Um, but when you're sharing the floor with somebody else who has to take a lot of shots, that might take away from his odds. Uh, the one thing I will say about that, though, is James Harden so far has not seemed selfish whatsoever. He hasn't been taking a whole lot of shots and he seems to be okay with that. So if that was something that they wanted was for Kevin Durant to be an MVP, they could probably let him have it. Like the, that team could just feed him until he won it. Yeah, no, I've been shocked by that too. Um, it doesn't like from James Harden has kind of flipped who he is as a player almost when he went to the Nets. It's kind of mind boggling, but quickly the point you touched on like Kevin Durant and James Harden being on the same team. Is it kind of like, does it take down his MVP rankings a little bit just because he has such a talented player on his team? And I think you're kind of right. Even though in golden state KD was probably the second best player in the league, that entire run, um, he never got MVP consideration because of the surrounding talent, even though he probably should have. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think it's going to be hard for him to keep up at the rate he is at, even though his team is better for it that James Harden is on the team. Yeah. And also as long as the Sixers are above the nets in the standing, I think it's hard to not give it to Embiid over KD, even though his numbers, his like efficiency has been incredible. He's still shooting like just good, not amazing from the field. But the fact that his three point percentage is so high is I, it almost, it looks sustainable, honestly. It does, doesn't it? Cause he, no one can test that shot in the league. He has the most unguardable shot in the league. It's just, he's too tall and he, the release point is too high. You can't contest it. So um, yeah, it's definitely in the, in the running, uh, for MVP. Um, but let's move on to defensive player of the year. Um, I'll go through my list first this time. I had Anthony Davis winning the award. I had Giannis coming in second. I had Draymond Green coming in third and then Rudy Gobert coming in fourth. Um, kind of whiffed on this one, honestly. What do you think, Ben? I whiffed pretty hard as well. Uh, I had AD winning it too. I had Ben Simmons in second, Giannis in third and Embiid in fourth. Um, I remember when we talked about this that I wished I had taken more time to consider it um, because you had Draymond Green. I think he's always in the running. I didn't even consider it. But even if I had, I would not have, even if I had taken hours to think of who could be the best defensive player, I would have never landed on Miles Turner. Yeah. Um, and like we've spoken about a little bit in other episodes, Miles Turner is the runaway defensive player of the year right now. And uh, our opinion, we both agree with that. Um, the dude's stats are just too much 
to overlook right now. Um, even if like the plus minus says differently or anything like that, you need defensive stats to win the awards. Players who have great plus minus when they're on the court compared to off who average 0.5 steals and 0.5 blocks, they're not going to get the award. You need the numbers. And Miles Turner has the numbers right now. And the Indiana Pacers are just a good defensive team. So he's definitely number one for me. Yeah. And when you actually watch these Pacer games, he missed a handful of games. And I think in every single one, the opposite team scored over 120 against the Pacers. So it's not just like cartoonish block numbers and that's it. Like he's really doing a good job from preventing people from scoring. Like they don't even attempt shots in the paint either when he's around. Uh, but I, you, your point about players that are, that can get like a little bit of steals and a couple of blocks, but like aren't dominant in either category, not winning it. I really wish Ben Simmons would win it. Uh, I don't think it'll ever happen, but like he's, he's so switchable. He can guard one through five. He doesn't have the numbers for it, but I expected him to come this year and he really has not been that great this year, offensively or defensively. He's always a good defender. Um, but he hasn't shown me anything special and neither has Anthony Davis, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Anthony Davis for a little bit, because I think me and you both expected maybe for him to carry the load of that Lakers team this season. Um, mm -hmm. After such a short off season with LeBron at the age he is, I kind of just assumed Anthony Davis would kind of take the mantle just for the regular season from LeBron but he's doing the same exact thing LeBron is, and that's playing at like 70% effort. Um, they're still like one of the best defensive teams in the league, the Lakers, and Anthony Davis is probably the, the pillar of that defense, but it still feels like he's not trying. And like you said, it's hard to give awards to people that you can kind of tell are coasting. Yeah, and his numbers just haven't been as good as Miles Turner's. Uh, 1.4 steals and 1.9 blocks is good, uh, but 4.1 blo blocks a game is just like unheard of. Uh, I'm, right. I'm sure that won't continue. I'm sure at best that goes to like a 2.5 game. Um, but just Miles Turner's start has been incredible. Do you still think Anthony Davis has a chance to win this award? Because I definitely still do. That's a good question. Um, I think it's okay. Um, just because, like you said, Miles Turner's numbers are probably going to come back to earth a little bit. Uh, I don't know if he can sustain four point whatever blocks a game for the rest of the season. Um, and Anthony Davis is one of the premier defenders in our league, and he's on one of the best defenses in the entire league. So I think his odds are still pretty good. Um, but I, I don't know if I see him as the favorite with such a Miles Turner has such a big lead right now. It's going to take a lot for someone to overcome that, you know? Yeah, I guess that's true. I just 4.1 blocks a game. I don't know if there's anyone that's approached those numbers before. Like there's no way that's going to stay that high. Um, but yeah, even if he's got a whole bunch of games without any blocks, it'll still be a while before that comes down to, the numbers that AD's at. Um, it depends on whether or not he turns up the intensity a little bit, because I think AD could get his block and steal numbers up as well. 
and the fact that he's an LA market means that he's going to get a lot of media attention for him to win the award. Uh, but right now it definitely seems like Miles Turner is far and away the leader. Who are some people, yeah, let me I, ask you, who are you, who are some people that you see potentially challenging him, if anybody? So this is my list for the people who are in the running right now. In my opinion, it's Miles Turner at number one, Rudy Gobert at number two, Kawhi Leonard at number three, and then Draymond at number four. Um, I'll get into Kawhi before I get into Gobert because I think we kind of just know who Gobert is is at a defensive player. Like he's very similar to Miles Turner. He's a shot blocker at the rim who kind of just stops people from taking shots there. But I want to talk about Kawhi because a couple episodes ago I said I'm all like I passed on Kawhi as my favorite player because he stopped playing defense. Like he's he started switching on screens a lot and not just locking down the best player like I used to love watching him do. Um, but I dove into that a little bit after that episode because I wanted to make sure what I was saying was 100% true. And it is. He is switching off screens. But something I found interesting is when Kawhi's on the court, they have the best defense in the entire league, the Clippers. When Kawhi's on the court, they have the best defensive rating. And when he's off the court, they're like number 23. And that's that that alone is crazy because that still shows that he's a top tier defender in the league. And at the wing position, he can guard one, two, three, and four just because he's like kind of muscly. He can he can bang up with fours. He can't guard fives, but he has the best hands in the league. It's not close. Um, and I think Kawhi has the reputation too. You need kind of a reputation for defensive player of the year. Um, and Kawhi's got that. So yeah, I, I need to put him in the conversation. That's fair. Yeah. And he's averaging over two, or I think two steals a game. Exactly. Um, so that's, he's always going to be an amazing defender. Um, I still, I'm looking at defensive rating and Miles Turner isn't in the top five. Um, he's sixth and he's barely sixth. So maybe I'm nitpicking a little bit, but Rudy Gobert and Anthony Davis are one and two. So I still think that come the end of the season, when Miles Turner's block numbers are back down to normal, there's a chance that he doesn't win it. It would be cool to see them give it to a wing. Uh, I don't know that I know of the last time, I guess when Kawhi won it last time was the last time I can think of them giving it to a wing. Um, so to, for him to win it in with like that big of a gap in between years would be really cool. But he is someone who always coasts as well during the regular season. Um, he, he saves his energy for later in the season and then just basically for the playoffs. So if he does that, he doesn't deserve it. But, I mean, there's still plenty of season. He may want to make a statement and make the Clippers the one seed in the West over the Lakers. So we'll have to see how, how much effort he continues to put in. Yeah, so who are who's your list of running contenders right now? Because I also have Draymond. So um, maybe I'll talk about him for a little bit. Um, Draymond is just one of the most unique defenders we have in this league. Um, at 6'6", six, six, he's able to guard ones, twos, threes, fours, and fives pretty effectively. Um, you don't want him on a point guard, but he can do it. He can like kind of just he can patch together minutes on a one, but he's not going to like stick a point guard the entire game. But he is the defensive identity of the Golden State Warriors. And by himself, 
he has completely changed the, the team. Um, I told you at the beginning of the year that team was going to miss the playoffs and that they were a G League team with Steph Curry on it. And he has made them look like a competent defensive team. And I think that's directly his impact. Um, and I think something else that needs to be considered in this award is how you get others to play defense on your team. Because Draymond is the defensive leader. It's unquestioned. And Andrew Wiggins, who never played defense in Minnesota, is playing defense. Kelly Oubre is playing defense. It's like everyone around him is playing defense now. And I think that's a lot to do with him. So he's got to be in the conversation, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a it's those are really good points. If you value impact like overall on defense, Draymond has a really good case because you could tell in those games that he missed, they were just they had no defensive identity whatsoever. But um no, but yeah, so that's he's definitely in the conversation. I think he'll continue to be in the conversation. Uh, but like as a bottom of the top five, sort of the I don't have anybody else as a runner-up just because Miles Turner's numbers are so far and away the best. But I will talk about Draymond Green for a bit because it's impressive to me that uh, – not Miles Turner, but Andrew Wiggins is now playing really, really high-effort defense. And I saw a Reddit stat about how he had – he's had six games on the Warriors so far where he's recorded six – steals and blocks combined in a game and he only had one in his career in minnesota so the the level of effort is obviously what that is because he's always been an athletic gifted player he just doesn't care so yeah the fact that draymond's made him care and the fact that he's constantly coaching wiseman and we'll see how that develops over the season he's definitely made probably the biggest defensive impact yeah I totally agree um Draymond's awesome so glad he's back with that team um all right let's go to another award the rookie of the year award um Ben what was your list before the season started my top four is LaMelo Ball winning it Obi Toppin coming in second James Wiseman third and Bull Bull as the dark horse and two of mine are so very off and two of them are in the top two. So I consider that a win, to be honest. Yeah, um, I'm kind of in the same boat. Two of mine are pretty off and then two of them make sense. So uh, in first place, I had LaMelo Ball winning it as well. James Wiseman was in second. Isaac Okoro was in third. And then Denny Avdia was number four. Uh, so I, I missed on that pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> Isaac Okoro really um, fooled us in that preseason, didn't he? Yeah, the shooting in the preseason was uh, way better than advertised. Um, <laughs> ben, get into your people who you think are leading it now. I think the top three for me right now are LaMelo Ball first, Tyrese Halliburton second, and then maybe James Wiseman third. I think you can argue a third. Um, but I think LaMelo has been the overall winner so far I think his entertainment value puts him first in the conversation even despite his stats the fact that he's such an entertaining player makes him the front runner but he's also putting up great numbers and he still hasn't earned the starting spot so I think there's more room for 
uh, like opportunities for him to make. All right. Uh, I'll talk about my list really quickly. I have Tyrese Halliburton one, LaMelo two, and then James Wiseman three. But I'll talk about LaMelo quickly. Um, I read an article or I don't know. It was either, I, I, I don't know. I read something where it was JJ Borrego, the coach of the Hornets said, you're not going to come off the bench in 20 minutes and have five turnovers. That's not going to work for me. So they've been cutting LaMelo's minutes actually as of late which I think is interesting. But like you said, his entertainment value is unreal. Um, the dude just, he, he's fun to watch. He makes crazy passes. He takes crazy shots and sometimes he makes them. Um, I think just on pure entertainment value alone, he's a, he has a real shot to win it. Um, but I want to talk about Tyrese Halliburton because we were on him. We had a conversation about him earlier in the year. And he's just the most impactful rookie in this class by far, I think. Um, he just makes winning plays and he still hits clutch shots for this team. And even though Sacramento is not a competitive team, he is like on some nights, he is their second best player as a rookie um, behind De'Aaron Fox. So I think it's gotta go to him just because of the rookies, like other rookies performances. Yeah, if you're weighing impact, he's definitely the front runner. Um, his points per game is like pretty identical to LaMelo. He's averaging less rebounds and less assists. So if you're looking at pure numbers, that's kind of where I put uh, LaMelo first because rookie of the year, they usually don't care about context, which is always frustrating when you see somebody who balls out on a terrible team. And just because his usage rate is so high, that's why he wins the award. Um, but that hasn't been Halliburton or Ball this year. Halliburton has, you're right, he's been playing really good winning minutes for his team, even though they're not a great team. Um, and LaMelo, the same thing. The Charlottes are just kind of a mediocre team, but he's been putting in good minutes. I don't know, man. I think either of them have a shot. I, I would honestly give it to LaMelo just because the points, rebounds, and assists favor him. But if they look at impact, if they actually take context into account, Tyrese Halliburton's definitely the, the leader. I think somebody, though, that will make a push to uh, fight with these two is Cole Anthony. With Markel Fultz being injured, with the step up he's taken with the game winner he hit the other day, the confidence he's got, uh, I think there's a chance that he climbs up and averages more points than both of them. I don't know about the other stats, but his assists have been pretty good, too. So I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, um, I think you're right. We both mentioned that a couple weeks ago um, that we thought he was a dark horse for this award just because of Markel's injury. Um, and we he is exactly what we thought he is. He's an effective scorer in the league. He's just very athletic and he's got a decent jumper. So he's going to score his points. And uh, yeah, I think he's definitely in the running for this award. But I want to go quickly back to the numbers aspect you talked about with LaMelo Ball and Tyrese Halliburton. I'm curious to see how much they care about efficiency in the rookie of the year rate, a race because Tyrese Halliburton shooting 50, 40, 80 right now. And LaMelo's percentages are nothing close to that. Um, so it's, it's interesting to see what they'll value. If like a player taking shots and making them more, or rebounds and assists, you know what I mean? It's It'll be interesting to see what number they put more value into. 
Um, but yeah, I want to talk about James Wiseman a little bit too. Um, James Wiseman has like three or four moments a game where you're just like, holy shit, that's incredible. Um, but he's been struggling as of late. Um, they just replaced him in the starting lineup. Kevon Looney is now the starting center of the Golden State Warriors. And I think that almost guarantees him to not get rookie of the year. Um, even though he's insanely talented, I think just the trouble he's having on defense as a rookie, as a rookie big man, which seems to happen to every single rookie big man, it seems like a kind of a trend. They don't really know how to play defense when they step into the league. Um, but I think as long as he's on the bench, it's going to be hard for him to win the award. Yeah, you're definitely right. Uh, he has absolutely struggled on defense. And as much as I think Draymond coaching him will help him in the long run, I don't think that they'll trust him enough to give him the minutes he would need to win rookie of the year. Um, so you are right there. Your, your first point, it's interesting the way these awards work because the rookie of the year doesn't always go to the best rookie and the MVP doesn't always go to the best player because LeBron's the best player every year he plays, but he doesn't win every MVP. Um, so Halliburton's definitely the best rookie the, out of this class this year. I don't think that's an argument, um, but it will be interesting to see if that is enough for him to win the rookie of the year, even when his stats, his just raw stats aren't as high. His efficiency, I think right now, you can't give it to LaMelo Ball over Halliburton, just because I went and looked at the efficiency and LaMelo is bad right now. Like not average, he's just bad. And Tyrese Halliburton is great. His efficiency is great. Um, but yeah, it, it will be. I am interested to see if that's something people care about or if it's just the highest usage, most points per game guy that they give the rookie of the year to. Yeah, I, I'm exactly the same. It's going to be super weird. And someone I just want to have your opinion on really quickly uh, before we move on to most improved is Anthony Edwards. Uh, me and you spoke about him a little bit at the beginning and said he's kind of proved us wrong. Um, and I think he's maybe proved us right the way he's been playing as of late. Uh, what's your opinion? He's shown a lot of flashes. He's had a lot of really cool dunks. He's struggling a lot to finish at the hoop and also to shoot threes. And not being able to do both of those two is very tough. When he just goes up and dunks it, he is pretty hard to stop. Um, so I think he's just got to be a little more explosive and his field goal percentage will go up. But yeah, he's not in the rookie of the year conversation, even though he's averaging the highest points per game. And honestly, I don't see that going anywhere, even though Minnesota is a garbage team and they can play him literally every minute if they wanted to. He's just not as good of a player as some of these other guys. He hasn't been so far. Um, it's it. I'm, I'm curious to see where his growth goes because he doesn't seem like a fluid shooter. He's got lots and lots of confidence, but he really is going to need to take an entire off season to learn how to shoot well, because his shots, not the pretty, I mean, it's, it's average, but it just doesn't go in. I, I really wonder where his development's going to come from. Yeah, and I think something that I've noticed is that earlier in the season when D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns were on the team is when he was most effective. 
Um, I think as a rookie third option, I think he is a good player. Um, but as like the number one or number two option, which he is right now, it's just, it doesn't make sense. Um, he's too inefficient. He's a shot chucker. He is, um, he just kind of throws it up there and you kind of, every time he chucks it, you don't really think it's going to go in. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, like you said, he's, he got great dunks. He good highlights. I just think he needs to not be the number one guy to have success. So hopefully maybe when Carl Anthony Towns comes back and D'Angelo Russell's back, all three of them are together. Maybe his efficiency goes up, but as of right now, he is struggling. Yeah, that's definitely likely that his numbers will go up because his efficiency, him as the number one option, that's a disastrous team if your number one option is rookie Anthony Edwards. Um, But I, this is not the point of what we're talking about, but I am so over D'Angelo Russell. Like I, I was really, really high on him when he was a net. And my opinion of, of him has just fallen and fallen. His lack of defense is so frustrating to watch. The fact that he's like a good three-point shooter is not enough for him to be considered one of the like top point guards, one of the best young point guards. He's just not really. He's a really good three-point shooter who can do nothing else. Um, but anyways, I think there's another potential dark horse in rookie of the year and that's Emmanuel quickly if he's given the minutes um he's been really impressive the last like week and a half or so and I don't know how sustainable that is but it it just feels like he's figured out a bit how to score and how to take advantage of defenses um the game against the trailblazers he had a moment where he got Dame to foul him on a three um using the same sort of trick that Dame uses on everybody. And they were having a chat about Dame was giving him uh, props for getting the foul. So he seems like a smart player already. And I don't know. I think there's a chance he earns the way Thibodeau works. I think there's a chance he earns lots of minutes because usually with Tom Thibodeau teams, you either play 34 minutes a game or like 11. There's really not an in-between. Uh, I think that's a good call. Honestly, Uh, I spoke about it a little bit in the Eastern Conference grass is greener episode where we talked about the Knicks and how they were in the playoffs. Um, He is a spark plug off that bench. Uh, He went for 30 points the other night off the bench. He just has the ability to score. Um, And like I was saying in that episode, he runs the pick and roll so well for a rookie. It's it looks super comfortable to him. It looks super natural. Um, and he knows how to score too off that pick and roll. Like he'll dart right into the paint on that roll. So, uh, yeah, that's a good dark horse pick for sure. Um, let's move on though, to most improved player. Uh, you want to read your list for this one? Sure. Yeah. I struck out big time with my guesses. I had, uh, Deandre Ayton winning it. I had Michael Porter jr. Second OG Ananobi third and Shea Gilgis Alexander fourth. And I wouldn't put any of those guys in my top three. Um, yeah. What about you? I had DeAndre winning it as like a shoe win. Uh, I was convinced there was no other person to even contest this. Um, Michael Porter, second, Laurie Markinen third, and then Lonzo Ball, fourth. Ooh, yeah. I mean, wait, we're going to have to kick him when he's down a little bit. But Jesus, Lonzo has not been that good right now. I was so hopeful when we talked about it in that episode. I was so hopeful that you were going to be right. 
and he's just not he's not a good shooter at all i don't last season was just flukish i guess he's shooting like 29 percent from three the pelicans don't even want to keep him that was disappointing uh but i want to first start with deandre ayton because me and you were both certain he was going to win it and i don't think there's a chance it happens um he he isn't shooting as many field goal attempts as he was last season he's averaging more rebounds than last season but like three less points and we both thought i think that with the addition of chris paul he was going to be the number two option by a mile it was going to be devin booker taking the most shots deandre ayton taking the second most and then the rest will get what they get um but it's been so much more even than that and so, yeah, he's just – he's not got a chance to win it, I don't think, this year. Uh, yeah, I think you're spot on. He's averaging less points right now than he did his rookie year. Um, that's – you you won't win the award with something like that. Um, this guy should be a 2010 every single night. Uh, I'm kind of dumbfounded how it's not happening. I know we spoke about it a little bit. The offense seems a little weird right now. They don't really know how to figure it out, it seems. But still, I mean, just looking at him, he's so physically gifted. He kind of reminds you of like a Joel Embiid just because out, out there on the floor, he's just bigger than everyone. So you kind of expect him to like toss his weight around, but he's pretty docile out there on the court. Like he doesn't really take the shots he needs to take. Um, I'd love to see them get him involved in the alley-oop game more too. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think he has a chance to win it either. Yeah, so I pay attention to Phoenix Suns uh, Twitter and Phoenix Suns subreddits just to see what they're talking about because I do love this team. And they are as hard on DeAndre Ayton as anybody is. And one of the other games, he actually popped off and did really, really well. Uh, Like directly after days and days of people criticizing him, he had like 26 and 17 against the Rockets. I want to see him be aggressive so badly. He takes those... Uh, face up like nine, 10 feet from the basket shots so often. And he could just body almost anybody that tries to guard him and just move him out of the way and score in the paint. It probably will be better for his career overall if he can get those, if he can master that kind of face up shot, because that adds more to how he can drive. But yeah, he's not been a contender for most improved. My top two, I don't even have a third. I don't know if you have one. I would love to hear it. Uh, my top two are Christian Wood and Jeremy Grant. Okay. Yeah, so I have Jeremy Grant, Chris Boucher, and Christian Wood. All right. I I don't think Chris Boucher has a chance to win it, but he's going to get votes just because of how well he's playing this year. Yeah, I think that's fair. He's been uh, – they've needed pretty badly. The Raptors have needed pretty badly a center, and – They've been giving him more minutes than he probably should be playing for the team, but he's been doing pretty well. His block numbers are pretty good. His three-point shooting's been pretty good. Um, But I think Christian Wood is far and away the guy this year who deserves it. I think – so we may may disagree on this pretty heavy, but I think Jeremy Grant's case is more of a dude just being given more shots so he makes Mm -hmm. more shots. Like, it's not – it's not the case that Jeremy Grant's added a whole lot more to his game. It's just, he's given more opportunities to show what he can do. I think Christian Woods improved pretty tremendously from last year. He's averaging 10 more points a game than he was last year. 
Um, but he's also been given a lot more opportunities. So I guess it is debatable, man. I don't know. I, I, I don't know that I think Jeremy Grant deserves it, even though his numbers have been so good. So something I want to say is interesting is both of them were on different teams last year, and both of them have now become very important pieces on the team they're on now. And they've both get, gotten 10 more minutes each this year of playing time. Um, and both of them have upped their scoring by 10 plus points. So their cases are almost identical, really. It's like, it's pretty strange. Um, Christian Wood, like just as a player is so unique. Um, I love his game. And I feel like Jeremy Grant, like you said, is kind of a known commodity just because we saw what he was on the Nuggets and we know what his game is. He just wasn't the number one option. So we couldn't go out there and score 24 points a night. Um, but we knew his game. I think Christian Wood is more appealing as this award winner just because we had no idea who this guy is because he was on a Detroit team that no one watched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you there. Um, Jeremy Grant, if you watched him on the Nuggets, I don't think a lot of what he's doing is surprising. The fact that he's upped his rebounding numbers and the fact that he can make good kickout passes for assists, I think that's really impressive. Um, but his scoring, he was an excellent scorer on the Nuggets when they when they used him. They just didn't use him a whole lot. But yeah, you're right. Christian Wood has just come out of nowhere. I think that's what you see a lot with uh, most improved players is not somebody that's given a bigger role on a team and does well in the bigger role, but somebody who nobody was expecting to do well. Um, that was the Pascal Siakam situation when he won it. Um, but I don't know, man. Yeah. It's, I guess it's definitely an even conversation. The fact that Jeremy green doubled his points per game makes him definitely a strong contender. Um, I think it'll be between just those two. I don't think Chris Boucher has a chance to catch those two. Yeah, I think you're right. And I want to say something about what you just said, how usually it's, um, players that you don't really expect. They kind of come out of nowhere and they kind of just swipe the award away. I kind of want to rebuttal that a little bit because there are some players like CJ McCollum, when he won it, we kind of, like people knew that he was a talented guy, but he was just a bench guy. So when he got the starting opportunity, people weren't shocked that he put his game up. Um, same thing with Brandon Ingram last year. Brandon Ingram was a good player on the Lakers. It's just LeBron was on the team. Like LeBron's going to be the number one option. So when he switched teams, I don't, I think people were a little surprised about the shooting efficiency from three, but people knew he was a talented player. I mean, he was number two overall in the draft and he was scoring like 18 points per game for the Lakers. So they knew he had talent, but it was the, it was the leap to an all-star that made him get the award. So like you said, both, both happen frequently, like both cases, it's just strange that both are happening at the same time this year. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right with CJ McCollum. I think Brandon Ingram's a bit in the middle because well, he did, he played the same amount of minutes per game um, for the Lakers as he did when he went to the, the Pelicans. So it wasn't like a, a, it was a bigger role certainly, but it was the same number of minutes and his three point shooting, his form transformed a lot and it was so much better. Um, 
But yeah, I think this may depend on who, if either of the two guys in Christian Wood or Jeremy Grant get an all-star spot this year. I think it's probably unlikely for Christian Wood just because of the centers that exist in the West. I don't know, maybe. Um, I think Jokic is obviously the starter, but if you don't count Anthony Davis as a center, he could come in. He could make it to the all-star game. I think that'll probably decide in the end who wins this award between these two guys. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that's what we've seen over the past couple of years is the player who makes it makes the leap from good to great. That's what we've been seeing. Um, once you become an all-star, it's kind of a decoration on your career. And I think most improved player usually goes to a player who makes that leap in the yeah. same season. Yeah, you're right. And I kind of, I don't like how narrative driven it can be sometimes because these two could literally average the exact same numbers. And if one of them makes an all-star, the narrative is, oh, this dude made an all-star leap um, and the other one didn't. But yeah, you're right that that's, that's the way that usually goes. Um, I do want to talk about uh, three of my picks, MPJ, OG Ananobi, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander were three guys that I also had as potential most improved players. It was probably not smart to put Michael Porter Jr., only because he's a second-year player and the award doesn't really go to second-year players very often. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I, I was expecting Shea Gilgis-Alexander to put up slightly more points on really good efficiency. And he's been an excellent player, but I think I, I think I underrated how good his numbers were last year because I don't think it's possible for him to make the kind of leap that I was expecting him to make to win a Most Improved Player award. Yeah, I remember you saying um, while we did that episode, you could – potentially see a 25 five and five season from Shea yeah um that that's that is a pretty big leap even though he did average pretty good numbers last year like 19 that's that's pretty good per game and him being moved to the number one option it it made sense but 25 five and five those are like starting all-star type numbers you know what I mean yeah yeah Um, yeah but yeah no I think that is still a good case because he has improved his game it's just like we were talking about Jeremy Grant and Christian Wood are on a different level of improvement than the other players we spoke about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I want to talk about Lonzo ball a little bit before we move on, because like you said, we have to kind of kick him while he's down. Um, I, I, this is my little blurb that I wrote at the beginning of the year Um, with an improved jump, jump shot and his unique passing ability. I think that's very exciting with the team around him. And I think a lot of highlights will prevent, uh, promote him for most improved player. Um, none of it's happened. Uh, <laughs> uh, his jump shot is not improved. Like you were saying, it's almost back to what it was two years ago, which is he's one of the worst shooters in the entire league. Um, it's strange to see such an aberration from a player in a season because last year he shot 38% from three, which is like close to sharpshooter, which is like Lonzo Ball is nothing close to a sharpshooter. But that last season, it was looking like he was making that stride. And now it's back to normal and it's reverted back to normal. And we, we spoke about it briefly. The Pelicans are looking to ship him 
this year. Um, it's just, and he's in a contract year too. So he's going to get paid very, very little. This, this is tough to see for my guy Lonzo. Yeah, man. I was so, so high on him coming into this year. I wanted him to be so good. The Pelicans needed him to be so good and he just hasn't. Um, he's still, I think the thing about three point percentage, if you just look at the percentage, it can be a little misleading because I think of the majority of his makes last year were wide open, nobody near him sort of threes. And when people see that you're a 38% three point shooter, they now don't let you get those threes. So you have to create them on your own. And his step back just isn't good enough. It was good. It was really good at the college level. It just hasn't translated to the NBA. I'm worried about him uh, come this off season. I was really expecting him to do really well and then get really good money for a team that needed a point guard. And I don't see him as a starting point guard anywhere right now. Like I think the bulls could use a dude who could facilitate the offense, but I don't think they go after him. I, I just, I don't know, man. He's, he's been so bad. The dude has such potential is such amazing potential. He's still a good defender and he's such a great passer. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know that I ever see his shooting getting to average in the NBA anymore. Like maybe it'll go to 30 ish, but it's just been so bad. I, I really, really hope that he can figure out a way to turn it around. Yeah, um, I'm with you. He's such a unique player that I kind of root for him um, just to succeed. Um, and it really, it's funny, like what you said, those jump shots that he was getting last year, they may have been misleading because Brandon Ingram was the number one option tearing up the league last year. Uh, Zion, for the few games he played, forced every everyone to look inside the paint um Lonzo was probably taking wide open threes like you said and his dribble package like isn't enough to get by good NBA defenders uh like you were saying the step back was good um it's not a great move it's a good move um and that's kind of his go-to um he doesn't really have like any other moves to get by defenders like that so it's just tough to see him kind of declined back to what he was a couple years ago. Um, I think a team's easily going to take a chance on him for low money this season, just because he has the pedigree of a number two overall pick and he showed flashes last year, but man, it, it sucks to see him revert. Yeah. Going from seven assists a game last year to under five this year is what bothers me the most. Cause I think that's the thing Lonzo's always done at a really good level is run an offense. And it's, it's partly they've taken a lot of that responsibility out of his hands and they've put it into Ingram's hands to facilitate a bit more. And Ingram's been able to do that and credit to him for being able to do that. But I really wanted Lonzo to be the guy running this offense. And yeah, I think his aggressiveness is never going to be good enough to around the hoop to where he can actually average a lot of points. I think 12 points per game may be what you see out of him forever. Um, He's also just such a garbage free throw shooter. I don't know when 
this reworked shot is ever going to translate to his free throw shooting, but I wish it would happen soon. You do not see this kind of God awful free throw shooting from point guards. It is just, it is ridiculous. Quickly on that too, before we move on is the free throw attempts per game. He is averaging one free throw attempt per game. Mm -hmm. One. That means he's getting fouled and going to the line once every two games. That is it has to be the worst number in the league for free throw attempts. Like for starting level players, it has to be. Yeah, man. Um, it's all because he's not aggressive enough. That's it's it's like the the same thing with Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons doesn't want to drive into the paint because then he's going to get fouled and he's going to brick his free throws. Um, you want him to just like understand you're a bad free throw shooter. Fine. Still be aggressive. Don't lose the aggressiveness because you're scared to go to the line in clutch moments. I think that's exactly the problem is he just doesn't want to be at the line ever. Um, but yeah, that, that frustrates me so much. That's something that I feel like almost has to be fixed over an off season, but maybe, I mean, we've seen with some guys that it's just not a fixable thing. Like with Giannis free throw shooting is just not fixable. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's harder than I'm giving it credit for uh, yeah, so that is our most improved conversation. Before we move on, I just want to sneak Jalen Brown in there as a Celtic. He's really uh, picked up his game this year. But let's move on to sixth man of the year. Um, I biffed hard on this. Um, I'll read my list first. Jordan Clark- Clarkson as the winner, which I think is actually correct. But then my other two picks are Brandon Clark, who started for the Grizzlies this year because Jaron Jackson Jr. is out. And then Lou Williams, who is garbage. I don't know. He's not, I don't really really notice him in the league anymore. So yeah, that's my list. Yeah. My list isn't much better. Um, I have Jordan Clarkson, Dennis Schroeder, who is not a six man anymore. He's a starter and Spencer Dinwiddie, who's not going to play the entire season. Um, Yeah. So if we're getting into who we actually think deserves it, I think Clarkson is number one. I don't really have a concrete list here outside of number one, but I have uh, Shake Milton, number two, yeah. and then Dragic, number three, because the Heat have still not used him as a starter. He's still still been a six-man. And in the games where he's been a six-man and Hero's been healthy, um, he's been really good off the bench for them. Yeah, that's a good list. Uh, I respect that. My list is Jordan Clarkson, one, Chris Boucher, two, and Goran Dragic, three. Um, so I want to touch on Jordan Clarkson a little bit because I threw shade at him over the off season. Um, I did not like the contract he got. I know I spoke about it briefly, um, but he is living up to what I said a couple of days ago in the Western conference grass is greener. He is just this automatic microwave off the bench. And for the play style, the jazz have adopted this season where it's just chalk as many threes as you possibly can. He fits that mold because that is his gameplay. Um, he is there to just shoot and shoot and shoot. And that's what he's doing for that bench unit. So um, his numbers have been pretty impressive too. He's averaging 17 points per game off the bench on pretty good efficiency. He's shooting 96% from the line right now. I think that'll probably go down, but that's very impressive. Um, yeah, I, I just, I'm very impressed with, with the way he's playing and it looks like that contract is worth it. Yeah. Clarkson 
Uh, I think on a different team, Clarkson wouldn't really have a chance to win this award. I've really been impressed with the Utah Jazz offensive system because you're right that they are just shooting threes like crazy, but they actually generate a lot of wide open threes. Like so many of these are pretty much entirely uncontested, which is why he's shooting 41% from three on seven attempts a game. Um, The thing you see with a lot of guys who shoot really high percentages is they only take like three threes a game and it's just like all the wide open ones. That's basically how Seth Curry became the league leader in three point percentage was he only took wide open, wide open threes. Um, But uh, Clarkson's taken seven a game. So some of these are contested and he's had, he hits them and he's had really good scoring nights pretty much every night. Like he is somebody who they can always rely on to score. And I think now he is far and away the first. Um, I put Shake Milton's name in there because I've been, I've seen it discussed on Twitter that he's in that sort of conversation just because he's averaging over 15 a game. He's not shooting incredibly well. So I don't think he deserves it really. Uh, But he's someone who's been an important six man for the Sixers. And they're a really good team. So maybe that weighs into it as well. Right. I was just about to say um, his role has definitely increased. He's shooting well from the free throw and pretty well from the floor. It's just he's struggling from three right now. But yeah, he's putting in important minutes on a very, very good team in the East. And I think that does give him a case. Um, he's a pretty, we saw last year in glimpses that he's a pretty talented player. And I think this is the role that he belongs in. Um, we saw in the playoffs, like him starting point guard for a playoff team. That's not his role. That will never be his role, but I think he fits this, the sixth man role very well. Um, I know we compare all these players to like former winners, like Lou Williams or Jamal Crawford, but he does have a Lou Williams type of feel to his game where he can just chuck threes and make a good amount of them and kind of change the tide, um, when the bench unit comes in. So yeah, that, that's a good pick. I actually, I like that pick. Yeah, he's, I can't see anybody else that's really fighting right now for that spot. I think Goran Dragic will eat his way up there just because the Heat aren't a good team right now. And I see that changing. Um, but the same, the exact same can be said about Chris Boucher. The Raptors, after we talked about, uh, we talked about a little bit in the Grass is Always Greener episode. We talked about it before that as well. I didn't have any faith in this Raptors team getting wins. Like I expected them right now to be around where Detroit and Washington are. And they've pulled out a bunch of wins against respectable teams. Uh, So I, I think they'll still be in this. So Chris Boucher and Dragic are two dudes that depending on how their team does, they could definitely start putting their name into that conversation a little more seriously. Uh, Yeah. I think Chris Boucher is, I think Jordan Clarkson's like the clear number one right now, but I think Chris Boucher is already making his run at uh, Jordan Clarkson. He's only playing 23 minutes a game, but he's scoring 14 points per game. He has 2.2 blocks per game. He's got 6.6 rebounds. And his efficiency is kind of mind-boggling at this point. I think it'll probably come down, but from three, he's shooting 45%. And then his just overall field goal percentage is 55%. So those are kind of insane numbers for a center to have from three. Um, And he's impacting the defensive side of the ball as well. 
Uh, he's been a real bright spot for Toronto too, which I think almost helps his case that the team's struggling, but then this new budding star or role player is popping up. You know what I mean? So I think that helps his case. And um, yeah, I, he's been playing really well. I didn't really see this coming out of anywhere, but I'm glad he's uh, improving. Yeah, it's interesting the way the six man award works because the Raptors have a lot of good bench players. Um, so it's, I think both Norman Powell and OG Ananobi are on the bench for this team. So I don't know who you consider a six man, but if you give it to just the bench dude who scores the most or the bench dude who has the biggest impact, I think he's definitely in that. He's certainly in that conversation. The thing that I think is really possible with Boucher is that he takes over Aaron Baines starting role. Uh, Cause Aaron Baines has just not been very good. And Chris Boucher has been good. Uh, he's, he's not very switchable, but yeah, you're right. He has been impacting defense. Um, I think there's a chance that he takes over the starting spot and loses out on the chance to be a six man of the year. But if they continue to give him 24 minutes off the bench, yeah, he's definitely a good contender. All righty. That is our six man of the year award. Uh, let's move on to coach of the year. Uh, I'll read my list quickly. I had Doc Rivers winning it, Monty Williams coming in second, and then Rick Carlisle coming in third. How about you? We had the same three guys, but in different orders. I had Rick Carlisle winning it, Doc Rivers in second, Monty Williams in third. And I think the only one out of that list that you can seriously consider, maybe Monty Williams, because the Suns have been all right, um, but Doc Rivers seems to be the leader so far my top two are doc rivers and ty lu yep. um because the clippers offense is much different than it was under doc rivers and it's interesting it's 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 not like a, a linear thing where like just because ty lu or doc rivers is better than ty lu that doc rivers is better in every case like because he wasn't better on the clippers but he's so much better than brett brown was on the sixers um, it's interesting that the dude that leaves the team can be a coach of the year contender and the dude that replaces them can be a coach of the year contender. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a great point. Both of those points. That's interesting that you say that, that doc can leave to go to a new team, be in the running for coach of the year. And then Ty Lue, the guy who, that's funny. I didn't even think of that, but I think there's actually three people in the conversation. I think Frank Vogel is there. Uh, I'll touch on him in a second, but I want to talk about Ty Lue because we saw the Clippers' historic failure in the bubble. Um, it was atrocious. Paul George played like crap, and they were getting blasted all over social media pretty much the entire summer. Yeah. Um, but like you said, this offense is completely different. Um, Ty Lue has installed the triangle offense, which I don't completely know the net like intricacies of but it seems to be working really well for Paul George and for Kawhi um, but yeah they're just on a different level this year they are shooting the absolute lights out um, and I think that has to has a lot to do with the new system that Ty Lue put in um, and now I want to talk about Frank Vogel and I want to hear your thoughts on this as well I oftentimes think that coaches who coach historically great players get underrated almost for their impact. Um, if you have LeBron James on your team, who is 
considered by some the GOAT and considered everyone considers him a top five player of all time. And if you don't, you don't know basketball. Um, I think that takes away a lot from what coach Vogel has done for that team. Um, I know they got Anthony Davis on that team as well. Who's a great defensive player, but for him to get those players to buy in defensively and still keep that team as one of the best defensive teams in the league and have the best record it's strange that he's not getting any recognition, even though he has LeBron on his team. Yeah, I you're right that it is a little bit odd. Um, I don't think anybody, I, a lot of the time, I think coach of the year goes to the coach that did so much better than everyone was expecting. And I think that's why Vogel's chances are a bit hurt or because everybody knew this Lakers team was going to be amazing. But the thing I've actually really liked about Frank Vogel is he understands what his guy's strengths are um, and he doesn't just do what like the statistics would say would be the smartest option like Montrose Harrell's taken a lot of mid-range shots and a lot of teams in the NBA shy away from mid-range shots because they're less efficient than shots right under the hoop um, and I think giving your guys the freedom to make the decisions that they think are best for their game is really really good for building chemistry so that yeah. is something he's done really, really well. So I guess he's he should be in the conversation, but I do want to bring it back to Saran Lou because um, you're right. When you talk about coaches that coach amazing players, unless you're somebody like Phil Jackson and you just consistently win, people underrate you. And I was definitely someone that didn't think Teron Lou was a good coach. I thought – he was someone that just allowed LeBron James to do what he wanted him and Kyrie. And that was why they won. But you can tell they are, he's making changes and they're positive changes. The triangle offense is best used when your team doesn't have a facilitator, like a really true point guard. Um, because there's just a lot of fluid ball movement going on in your offense without somebody who could just be a ground pound dribble guy. And yeah. Nick Batum is somebody who nobody expected to be great this year. He didn't even start. He didn't play. There were a whole lot of games. He didn't even play last year for Charlotte just because the coach didn't feel like playing him. And he has had a resurgence this year. His assist numbers have been great. His passing has been great. And they're another team like Utah that generates a lot of wide open threes. Um, so if you're talking about system, Frank Vogel and Teron Liu are definitely two dudes that deserve it. Doc Rivers, though, is a third who they, I think they all absolutely are fighting for this spot because Tobias Harris has, is a absolutely different player than he was last year. He's shooting phenomenally and he, they're using him the best way that they can. Joel Embiid has been amazing and he's been dialed in every game. And I think a lot of that credit does have to go to Doc Rivers. Yeah, it's it's tough to choose a winner right now. I think Doc is definitely in the lead uh, just because of like what you said. He's such an improvement over Brett Brown, who kind of just seemed like a figurehead for what management upstairs wanted to do. He didn't really seem like he had a lot of coaching knowledge or maybe impact on that team. Uh, but Doc is respected through that locker room. You can just tell the way they're playing that they want to play for Doc. Um, Ty Lu too. I mean, for Ty Lu to help 
Paul George rebound from what probably was the worst moment in his NBA career and make him an MVP like perimeter. Like he's on, he's in that conversation right now, Paul George. Um, that's pretty impressive. And like you said, with Nick Batum and players like that, just coming out of nowhere and putting up good minutes again, it's, it's pretty impressive. He's done a great job with that team. Yeah, I, I, you're right. Nobody really is a front runner for this award right now. It's tough because literally all three of those teams are uh, first or tied for first in their conferences. So I, if, who do you give it to if all of your, if the best player or if the best teams in both conferences have coaches that have drastically changed the system, it's hard to know who to really give it to. Um, I don't think it'll go to Frank Vogel. doesn't matter how good the Lakers are. People expected it. So it's, he's just not going to get a whole lot of credit. I think Doc Rivers may have the edge over Teron Lou just because I, I know me and you expected the Sixers to be this, to be an amazing team, but we expected it last year and they just weren't. But I, I know around the media, that wasn't really the consensus that the Sixers were going to be the team this year. Yeah. All right. That is our coach of the year conversation. And let's move on to executive of the year. Uh, I know both of us only had one at the beginning of the year and that was Rob Palinka. And I'll just talk about him quickly. I think it's still him for executive of the year. Um, I think there's a close second, uh, Lawrence Frank, who is the executive of the Clippers because of how they're playing and the additions, all the changes to that team that happened this year. I think that's great, but it's really between these two. I mean, the Lakers and Clippers are battling for the one seed in the West as of right now. And um, both of them are playing out of their minds. So it's kind of hard to choose between these two, but it's definitely one of these guys. Yeah, I think it probably has to be Rob Palenka. Um, the Clippers didn't really make any big change. I guess they made a coaching change and that has been major for them. Um, but getting Schroeder and getting Montrez Harrell was huge for this team. And I, I think because of that, he deserves it. I don't actually have a whole lot here with exec of the year. My, one of my options was the exec of the bucks, the bucks, sorry, for going out and getting drew holiday, but they haven't been a commanding number one team like the Clippers and the Lakers have been. So it hasn't seemed to work out as well as the moves that Rob Link has made. I'll touch quickly on what Lawrence Frank has done for the Clippers, because I think he deserves to be in that same conversation with Rob Palenka because Montrez Harrell left the team. Uh, he brought in Sergi Baca, which I think is an upgrade. He brought in Luke Kennard, which I see as an upgrade over Lou Williams, who I eventually think they'll let go. And they bought Nicholas Batum off the scrap heap and made him a good average player again. So I think those three moves have really improved the Clippers. And like you said, with Rob Polinka bringing in Dennis Schroeder for basically nothing, and then also bringing in Montrez, that's helped the team a lot too. And Marcus Gasol. Mm -hmm. um, both of these have had a lot of improvements and a lot of changes to them, but they still managed to win consistently. So it's it's got to be one of those two guys. Yeah, I think bringing Serge Ibaka to the Clippers was actually pretty huge. Um, that's been a pretty major difference for them so yeah he's he's definitely in the conversation i'm not sure that there's really anybody else that's close maybe the exec of the nets for going out and getting james harden 
Um, we'll yeah. have to see at the end of the year how this team, how that Nets team does in the standings. But they're the that's the only one that I could see coming close because that's a blockbuster move. And I'm not sure really the history of who exec of the year goes out to, but making a blockbuster move, if your team succeeds because of it, I think that's something that you'll probably get lots of credit for. Um, so yeah, definitely the exec for the Nets has been fantastic, has made fantastic decisions. All right, and let's wrap up this episode with our finals picks. Earlier in the year, we chose, before the season even started, we chose our finals matchups. I had Lakers versus Nets. I had Nets winning it all, and I had Kevin Durant as the finals MVP. Ben, how about you? I had the Lakers versus the Bucks. I had the Bucks winning it and Giannis being the MVP. And I don't have that anymore. I, <laughs> I, we talked about, we've talked about this a bunch that I really wanted this to be Giannis's year. I just don't see it with how good the Nets are. I don't see them. I don't see the Bucks beating the Nets in a seven game series. Uh, so yeah, I think I have to agree with you here that it's going to be Lakers versus Nets. I'm not sure who wins it. Um, truly, to be honest, who stops Anthony Davis? Who knows? Um, I think it'll be a case where the Nets, if they don't get like a JaVale McGee or somebody at center that can just put up playable minutes, they're just going to let Anthony Davis go for 50 and just hope that they can slow down the rest of the team. Um, but yeah, I think Lakers versus Nets is the likely championship right now. I'd give the odds to the Nets. I'm also, I'm just going to keep my pick. Um, I'm feeling good about it. I, I don't love the way the Nets are playing defense right now, but like you said, they're probably going to pick up JaVale McGee. There's a lot of smoke around that rumor, so there's probably a fire there. Um, and they just got granted from the NBA a injured player grant or something for like $5.7 million, so that'll be enough to get JaVale. Um, yeah, I'm going to stick with my pick because that star power is unreal. And if they even slightly fix that defense, I think they're uh, they're going to meet the Lakers in the finals. And I think Kevin Durant will just take over from there. Honestly, watching this team, I think even if they don't fix their defense, if their chemistry is perfect, like if the, the trio of Harden, Kyrie, and KD are all just fluid and work really well together, that this team will make a finals run regardless. Um, they also just picked up Norvell Pell, who was the rookie for the Sixers last year, played good minutes. He just fouled everybody. He just couldn't stay on the floor, but he put up really good block numbers in the minutes that he played. Um, I don't think he'll be enough. I think you do need a veteran presence in JaVale McGee for this team to, I mean, maybe not only JaVale McGee, but you need somebody who's got a really good idea of what they're doing on defense for this team to be far and away the best best team in the East. Yeah, I totally agree. They just need, I think the chemistry is an interesting point, but I think to win the finals, they'll need to get their defense shored up a little. But um, yeah, guys, thank you for listening. This was the review of our NBA awards episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Ben, any finishing words before we go? Um, I'm wondering when we look at this next, do we check this out during the all-star break and see how they do? Cause I think that'll be probably be the best, uh, maybe once at the all-star break and once at the end of the season, we'll figure out how our predictions have been doing.
I think that would make a lot of sense. I let's let's put it there. That makes sense. All right. All right, guys. Thank you for listening and uh, peace.